jockey, Judd Zogad. This is the train wreck of all time. Yeah, it is brutal. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Previously on Mackie and Judd. Can you just not complain about I something once? I hate this. I hate this song. Can you be optimistic and happy and not just kill the vibe, Buzz Killington, one time? Go ahead. Just go ahead. This is the biggest sporting event in the Twin Cities since... Probably 2010 Twins playoffs. It's going to be one of the best games of the playoffs so far. Back and forth. It's going to be close. Whatever happens, All right. it's going to be tied after regulation. Going to go to overtime. I might even buy into Chip Scoggins' notion this goes double overtime. But the man who's been playing his keister off without much of a payoff the last few games, under the radar... You read the name on the back of this piece of paper who's going to be the hero for the Wild winning this game in overtime Thank tonight. Thank God the song's done. Nino Niederreiter. Nino Niederreiter. Nino Niederreiter, the hero of tonight's Wild game. Book it. Played here by Danny Heatley, and out they come two on one. This is Niederreiter holding on to it, and he scores! Nino Niederreiter wins the series for the Minnesota Wild. Incredibly proud of our guys right now. Um, you know, this game, in a lot of ways, kind of reflected the series. Just continually having to battle, um, battle back, and uh, you know, deal with adversity and keep pushing forward. And um, so, obviously, uh, very proud. Oh no, you didn't! Oh, no, you didn't, Phil Mackey. <laughs> I, Phil Mackey, would like to officially announce my retirement from Sports Talk Radio. I have nothing else to add, Judd Zolgad. The, the show is yours. Oh, those previouslys, they're usually bits. They're usually bits. That's fantastic. I'm actually from the oh, year. Do I don't know it. if you knew this. I'm actually from the year 2045. <laughs> My buddy Biff Tannen loaned me his sports almanac from 2014, and I duped you all. I apologize for the spoiler at 12.55 p.m. yesterday. How'd you do it? How'd you do it? Well, when you're as good at uh, NHL 94 mm-hmm. as I am, you mm-hmm. see the ice clearly. I mean, you think you think I'm a baseball guy. You think I I'm used a, to. a basketball guy, a baseball guy. What you don't know is I've been hustling you for years. <laughs> I go home every night. Since I've been here. Every night I go home and I watch NHL Network for six hours. You are a hockey (laughs) maven. Forget Bob McKenzie. Forget Stan Fischler. I'm a hockey whisperer. Forget You can call me Phil Mackey, the hockey whisperer. I hear things and I see things on the wild bench that nobody else can, not even Mike Yo. Here I thought the expert hockey guy on this show every Thursday was Louie Danny. Louie Nanny's got nothing on you. It's real. You really said that. That what for anyone who didn't hear it yesterday, that wasn't a made up bit. That was really Mackie at the end of the show. What's my batting average now? Am I in Pedro Flormone oh range yet? Gosh, you do just... I, do I have as many hits in my career as Pedro Flormone has this year? The funny thing is when Nita Ryder <laughs> when Nita Ryder scored the goal in regulation and then had the assist, I think I sent you a note saying you were right. He's having a great game. Okay, you and should... then he did it. <laughs> he did it. You should have seen me sitting alone in my living room at 11:30 last oh, night during you. overtime. Arrogant. I don't just, want to imagine. Like this. when it got to overtime, and thinking this is cool. I mean, Niederreiter's had a good game, so it kind of validates the prediction off the bat. But in overtime, I'm sitting there the whole time. All right, let's just get the third line out there. Get the third line out there. Two on one break. 
Oh my God! Don't pass it! Don't pass it! Shoot it! Yes! Yes! And what that was a pretty, shot. I mean, that was an unbelievable game, unbelievable series, uh, as expected. I mean, how like, bad? Like I, like I told you, it was going to be at twelve fifty-five yesterday. But that is um, how bad did we need this? Yeah, that was a slump buster, man. That was how bad did we need this the, as a collective sports town? Our, our, and you know what? Okay, we're gonna see go for hockey tweets. God bless go for hockey. We both like go for hockey a lot. But professional sports in this town, how bad did we need this shot of self-esteem? It was. It was the, the Colorado Avalanche was sitting at the bar, and we had a slump in Minnesota. And we needed the Colorado Avalanche to help us get over that slump. It's been – I know the, the, the Vikings are different because the Vikings 2009, I mean, those aren't playoff series. You win, They won one playoff game in 2009. They crushed the Cowboys, and they got to the NFC Championship game. That doesn't. It, it, it is a run technically – but the only time you can really call a playoff run a run, to me, is if there's series involved. And we haven't had this in a decade. To me, it doesn't even really matter what happens in the Blackhawks series. It would be icing on the cake if they could go deeper in the, in the playoffs. We're just going to enjoy this. It's, it you was an unbelievable series. Even if you're not even that big of a Wild fan, I don't know how you can't be hooked going into the Chicago series. That was awesome. We should work, Phone lines are kind of lighting up here. Uh, 651646. Yeah, Call today. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Where does this, we'll throw this out, kind of one of the themes of the show. Where does this series, once you get past, let's say, 1987 and 1991 Twins, which are championship series, where do you put this? Just as far as drama and fun and, of course, the wild coming out on top, where does this series, again, first round, so it's not a conference finals, but... Uh, we're not going to – beggars can't be choosers. Where do you put it? 651-646-8255. Can you call – considering what's going on in this town professional sports-wise, can you call that a slump or would that be a complete drought that ended last night? I think it's a drought. I think a slump would be a shorter time period. You think about this. And that game last yeah. night. And how wild – and no pun intended once again. How wild, typical was this from them? They're dead at midseason, right? They're falling apart. Mike Yo's going to get fired. They come back. It's getting late in the regular season. They fall apart again. You're thinking they're going to miss the playoffs. Yeah. Yo's going to get fired. They come back. How fitting was it? Two things struck me as incredibly fitting. Number one is the fact they trailed four times in that game. Four times! They had to come back just to tie the game to get to OT. And also, your star line in that game was Nino Niederreiter, who the Islanders completely gave up on. Fifth overall pick in 2010. He had like three points in 60-plus games for them two years here's, ago. Here's all you need to know about him. Last year when the lockout ended, the Islanders were so down on this guy. Fifth pick in the 2010 draft. They didn't invite him to training camp. He's really good. They didn't but invite he, him to training but, but, camp. So I don't get that because he's – so two, if I'm thinking right, two years ago he had three points in the 60-plus games yep. for the Islander. Yep. So he's on the roster almost all year and just never did anything. Yep. You could see it with the Wild from the first couple games that, okay, there's something with this guy. This guy can shoot it. This guy can handle it. He's been playing really well under the radar in this series. Again, I mean, if you listened yesterday well. – you you knew it was going to happen in the game, your, but you took your game six, which you saw in game six, which was uh, interesting because go back and look at the score sheet from game six. As good as he was that night, and he was great. Yeah, he didn't have a point in that game. He didn't have a point in that game. And the other guy in that third line, the line that ended up being the third line because they mixed them up again during the course of the game, 
was Kyle Brodziak, who was benched in Game 3. He wasn't even benched. He was scratched in Game 3. And Danny Heatley, who I suggested more than once in the past two months that it'd be better off if he just retired. Danny Heatley scores a key goal in that game. And go back and watch the Niederreiter overtime goal, who has the stretch pass that starts the play. Danny Heatley. Played here by Danny Heatley, and out they come two on one. This is Niederreiter holding on to it, and he scores! Nino Niederreiter wins the series for the Minnesota Wild. Oh, and by the way, here's our buddy Mark Moser. We had him on a couple games ago when, when the Wild were down 3-2. to two. And remember, we were, we were chiding him about his uh, mother trucker call PA for the Perot, Avalanche, uh, uh, Avalanche winning that game five. Bye, Brzezgelov, rebound the Wild. It's a two-on-one coming back the other way. Down the wing for Niederreiter. Holds, shoots, and scores! Nino Niederreiter and the Minnesota Wild <laughs> have won game seven in overtime. He wasn't as depressed as I would have figured he would, he would have been. No, I was sort of hoping that he would just sort of, the, that you would just hear that clank of the goal by Nino, and that would be it. Bit of the wild zone down the left wing. Oh, here you go. Cleans it down for Stanley, a shot. Sand Kipper, rebound shot. Score! P.A. Perito! P. Mother Truck and A. Perito! And the Avs have tied the game at three. Another six on five goal. P.A. down the slot. Like a boss! The wild calls and raises. Played here by Danny Heatley, and out they come two on one. This is Niederreiter holding on to it, and he scores! Nino Niederreiter wins the series for the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, well, he, I said this before, he raised the bar. So he's got himself in trouble now because this is what we expect. <laughs> um, but uh, that whole line, you know, was. You know, talk about uh, you know, kind of looking for something through the course of the game, and and uh, and you know, Brodzy and Heater, and uh, and then getting Nino with uh, with those two guys. I mean, the, those guys were were huge tonight. Once again, think about this: the line of Brodziak, Niederreiter, and Heatley. Think about. Did, the did you see Heatley that... gasping for air on the bench at one point We've... in like the early third period? Yes. Brown paper bag. Yes, it. it was actually tweeted several <laughs> times. That he it's was like he uh, almost passed out on the bench. Altitude, uh, age thirty-four, but it was a hell of a game. Now you made the call yesterday about who would score the winning goal in overtime, so I give you complete credit there. But I don't think anybody would have expected that that line would be the line that gave you that type of production. And so let's look at who scored the goals last night for the uh, for the Wild, okay? And their playoff goal totals. Miko Koivu scores a goal. That's his first. Now you expect more from him, so that's fair, but. Miko Koivu in the first period scores. That's his first. Heatley scores his first. Niederreiter scores his first. Spurgeon, a defenseman, gets his second. And also keep in mind, too, that Niederreiter not only scored twice in this game, but he's the guy that made the play to Spurgeon. You got him for Cal Clutterbuck. Cal bleeping Clutterbuck. Fleece much? That's a fleecing of a trade. Whose claim to fame was running around the ice. He was a fan favorite, but his claim to fame for Cal was running around the ice and hitting guys whenever he could so he got his hits totals up. What were the Islanders thinking? Fletcher, all all is forgiven. Nick Letty, 
It's still a bad trade, but all is forgiven because you just took Garth Snow for a complete ride on that. But trade. see, I, but I don't, I don't think GMs are allowed to have a couple bad trades here and there. Sure, they are. Chuck Fletcher has built a really good roster, yes. very strategically. Yes, he has great trades to acquire Pominville. Molson's been. I mean, Molson hasn't uh, cashed in a lot, but Molson's been around the puck and he's had chances. But if you're the Islanders, you know, not this, not to turn this around and talk about the Islanders, but you've been awful for two decades. Why are you trading away fifth overall picks from a couple years ago who are, what's he, 23 years old? He's like 22 no, or 23 years 20, old. I think he's, 20, uh, he's 21 right now. I think he's about right, So the guy can, can, can barely go to a bar and have a celebratory drink, and you're going to trade a guy like that sure. for Cal Clutterbuck, on, who's hold, 30? Was it, what's Cal Clutterbuck, like 27? 26. 28, something hold like that. Hold on okay. a second. Hold on a second, Phil. Today is about, this hour at least, is about a celebration of the fact that we finally have a professional sports team that won a first-round series or won a series in a playoff. I am not interested in talking about what the Islanders did wrong. I am interested in talking about what the Wild has done right. Even I am going to get on the bandwagon for this show and say, man, you forget how much fun this is. You forget how much fun it is to see a game like that last night. We're so conditioned to that game being somebody else, right? The Blues or the Blackhawks. This is a Minnesota team that just won in overtime in Game 7. Ben, what's up, man? You're on Mackie and Judd. Hey, how you doing? I want to talk to you guys about that that great game and that great series. I mean, to me, it was just it was poetic justice that it seemed in that entire series that Colorado got every break. You know, they got every call. They got you know the two goals pulling their their netminder and then winning it in overtime. Both of those games, and then here we are behind the eight ball four different times on yep. the road. Yep. And and we pull it out, and um, it was just amazing. I was at the Twins game. Everybody was had their headphones in. Yeah, well, okay, what was that like, man? Because we saw some screenshots from some of the guys in the press box in the eighth or ninth inning, and it looked like there was literally, literally nobody in the outfield, right field or left field. No, it was – it was. <laughs> we were – my uncle and I were there. It was the seventh inning. The Dodgers put up, put up four runs in the seventh inning. It was 5-1. We looked at the score of the, the wild game, and we're like, all right, we're going down, to, and we're going and returning on the wild game. And uh, my brother was at the game. My brother's in the Air Force Station in Colorado Springs, so he was at the game cheering on the wild. So I'm texting back and forth with him. My dad's in Alaska watching it on TV. So so here we all are just just all just completely immersed in, in this game. And, uh, and just for them, you know, it, it just always seems like the Minnesota teams in the playoffs, always get get the short end of the stick you know you had the vikings going down to to new orleans and and you know, the whole bounty gate thing and then there were some questionable calls in in that game the nfc championship game you've got joe mauer's you know foul ball in in uh, game two of the alds up in new york and it was just it seemed like finally a minnesota team caught a break amen i mean it's this team just it's incredible how they keep getting up they looked dead a couple times in the regular season. Uh, we were, I think, rightfully so, questioning whether Mike Yo had kind of lost the reins on this team. Mm-hmm. And they kept coming back. They went on that stretch of winning six games out of seven against some of the best teams in the NHL. They were down 2-0 in the series, 3-2 in the series, down a goal four times last night. That's the first time in Game 7 history a team has come back from down a goal four different times, by the way. Down multiple goalies. In fact, we, let's come back and talk about that because there was a play made in overtime 
that probably isn't going to get talked about enough because of, of this, obviously. Played here by Danny Heatley, and out they come two on one. This is Niederreiter holding on to it, and he scores! Nino Niederreiter wins the series for the Minnesota Wild. So coming up, let's give credit where credit is due, yeah, and we'll take more of your calls. Of play. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Wild moving on. You're listening to Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Brozjak has hold on, throws it behind the net for Niederreiter. Niederreiter with Hayden, comes to the near side, Spurgeon holds, looks, shoots, scores! Jared Spurgeon! The tying goal with 2.27 left, and it's a 4-4 hockey game. Incredibly proud of our guys right now. Um, you know, this game, in a lot of ways, kind of reflected the series, just continually having to battle, uh, battle back, and, uh, you know, deal with adversity and keep pushing forward. And, um, so, obviously, uh, very proud. The Wild should be in Chicago by now. They're going to open their uh, second-round series against the Blackhawks uh, tomorrow. Daryl tweets us, Phil Mackey, I typically cringe at the ping of the post, but I could listen to the ping on the winner all day long, so why don't we play the game winner once again because the ping on this one is awesome. It looked like it hit off the top of the uh, off the crossbar and deflected down, but the, re- the reaction immediately by the players was, oh, that must have gone in. <laughs> because even, even the officials. They were so sure. Even the officials couldn't bleep this one up. Played here by Danny Heatley, and out they come two on one. This is Niederreiter holding on to it, and he scores! Nino Niederreiter wins the series for the Minnesota Wild. And just for fun. Patrick Waugh, man. Almost feel a little bit bad for Patrick Waugh, but not quite. I wouldn't feel too bad for him. So, uh, Niederreiter scores the winning goal, but that should not overshadow, as you teased going into the last break, the play that uh, that without this play, you don't have that goal probably because the Colorado Avalanche are celebrating. Ryan Suter made a play that will never show up on the box score, but this is why you pay a guy. And you know what? He didn't play great the whole series, so don't get me wrong here, but this is why you pay a guy... Ninety-eight million over thirteen years. That play that he made to lay out and uh, break up what looked like it could very well be a goal against Brizgalov, who, by the way, after he replaced Kemper, faced one shot the whole yeah, time. And you knew that the Wild went in thinking, "All right, if, if we let Brizgalov get peppered with shots, it's over." And you could almost sense that at the beginning of overtime. Let's let's try to end this thing in five or ten minutes and not allow shots on goal because this guy's been cold. He's been bad when he plays uh, in the playoffs, and uh, he's been cold. And how how smart is that play? It's it's it's, it's a two on one kind of a situation mm-hmm. close to the net, mm-hmm. and it looked like there was going to be a centering pass, just boom boom game over. Yep. And he just lays down, and smothers the puck. Just like of all the things that are going through your head. All right, should I knock the puck away? Should I um, move off the, the the puck handler and come over and and grab the uh, the guy who's floating toward the net? Right. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay down and smother the passing lane. It was brilliant. But that play, it takes a lot of uh, gumption to make because you got to guess right, and he did. But that is the type of play from a guy like Suter that is why you pay him that much money to be your number one defenseman. A fantastic play. And then, of course, 
the puck goes the other way. Heatley makes that pass. Yeah. And, and I'll say this again. For as much as I ripped Heatley, you got to give him a ton of credit. What he did last night. Now, he was benched late in the season, and then he didn't play. I want to say they go down 0-2 in Colorado to start the series. And Game 3, Brodziak gets uh, sent to the press box, and they decide to play Heatley. And I said, what are they doing? And for the rest of the series, up until last night, Heatley had some moments where I thought he was okay. I think he was great, but last night, the goal he scored, first of all, his hands on that goal, that's what he can do. That was some old-school Heatley. And I don't care that he – and at that point in time, it doesn't matter that he can't skate that well because his hands are still quick. That's my whole thing about him is you almost felt bad for him at times because you can see going through his mind where he wants to be, and his hands are still really good. So in Heatley, when you watch him play, you say – I know what he wants to do, but he can't do it. But last night he did it. Okay, was he ever really a burner when he was a 50-goal guy eight years ago, nine years ago, whatever it was? He I mean, get, how, how fast was well, he? he? The key with him is he could always previously get to the places he needed to get to. And now you watch him and he can't always do it. But give the guy credit. Give Brodziak, Niederreiter, and Heatley a ton of credit for that game last night. I, it's, it, I, I'm glad that we aren't talking about the officiating too, because we could. It, this could have easily been uh, been a narrative about officiating at the Wild lost because of the first goal. Yeah, and I don't want. I hate the fact that it feels like we'd be whining about the Wild losing because of the officials, but there really is no explanation for why that first goal should have been allowed. And especially when you have the benefit of replay, and you can go back and they're checking for a high stick. You know they see on the replay it's blatant interference on McGinn in front of the net, uh, but they can't overturn it because it's not a reviewable call. And so for them to be kind of put down one to nothing and then having to come back four different times yep. because that's the goal that uh, jumped the avalanche out front, I'm glad we don't have to sit here and talk about that today as much. Two thoughts about that. Number one, it makes no sense. If you go back and review a goal, you should be able to review it for everything. It's ridiculous that you can't. But number two, forget replay for a second. That official is looking right at that play. He sees McGinn collide with Kemper. McGinn's not pushed into him. He collides with him. And then he creates enough of a cushion there so that the puck can go in the net. Replay wasn't necessary. And, in fact, if you watch it, the official is looking. He's looking at the play. He's not looking up. He's looking down at the play the whole time. And he waves it off, but he does sort of that half-hearted, I'm going to wave it off, I'm going to wave it off. No, I'm not. But to the, me, the Steve Little motion. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, uh, one one hand, one hand showing the stop sign. The other one's like passively but aggressively. But the hands were always down. Rabbit. But what I don't get about that is for that first goal by the Avalanche, replay wasn't needed. You shouldn't have needed replay to see that was goaltender interference. Yeah. Howard in Chicago, what's up, man? You guys coming to visit me? Well, we might have to yeah, now. We got another series here. I don't know what you're doing in Minneapolis. Can so. you can you get us some uh, premium? I would say uh, somewhere between the blue line seats in rows one through ten at the United Center. My friends got season tickets fifteen rows up center ice. So okay, th- those will do. I think those will we'll, do. We'll take those for yeah. game one and two. Thanks. Two points. One, Phil, are we going to Kentucky on on Sunday or excuse me on Friday? Because the way you're calling them, you should be at Kentucky. You shouldn't be anywhere else. Yeah, I might, I might actually, I might actually put. played. Yeah, we're supposed to go up to Craigans and uh, and, and hang out in Brainerd this weekend for the 1500 ESPN golf opener. It might actually go to Las Vegas instead. <laughs> yeah, uh, that call goes down. One of the great ones of all time. So just kudos on that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks. What else you got, Howard? 
Oh, you hung out? No, that's it. Okay. Oh, he's got nothing else. He had a pom- well, on the screen it said he was going to rip Pominville, but maybe he had a change of heart because we don't need to be ripping Pominville when eight other wild players you were uh, amazing in that series. Plenty of time to break down the rest of uh, the upcoming series to right. what happen. Paul, you're on Mackie and Judd. Hi, guys. What's up, Paul? Wait, have we saved Yo's job yet, Judd? <laughs> I would say it's safe now. Yes, I would say it's going to be safe. Okay, that's good. Uh, Judd, you're selling yourself short. I remember very distinctly yesterday you said – the two people that need to step up in this game are Miko Koivu and Ryan Suter, and they both stepped up. Koivu scored that incredibly odd angle goal to, to uh, mm-hmm. kind of punch, punch him right back, and obviously Suter did what he did in overtime. So you called it, too. It wasn't just Mackey. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate that. But how about that game last night? How, oh. bad, how bad did this town need something like that, Paul? Oh, boy. You know what? I was so angry the first. Do you realize we won six of these games? Yeah, we, we really won six of these games, and you know only three counted going into last night. And uh, I was so angry. Uh, you guys know I was so angry during this whole series because of the giveaways and and what happened in Game Five and uh, how we've dominated and and can't put the puck in that. But boy, last night, what what character? That's the that's the word that I keep thinking about. What character to keep coming back on the road? goal after goal, and by people that you don't expect to do it. It was uh, absolutely fabulous. Paul, are you satisfied at this point, regardless of what happens against Chicago? Are you as a Wild fan satisfied at this point? I am, and I'm also a realist. Let's face it, uh, Chicago has just as much speed and talent as Colorado, but they're experienced as well, and they're so calm and cool, and they got uh, a great coach. And, you know, does the NHL really need to schedule game one a day and a half after no. Game 7. That is ridiculous for them to do this. So it's here's the Blackhawks sitting at home in their chaise lounges watching the game. And, and the Wild, after this emotional roller coaster, and now they got to go to Chicago. That's asinine in my mind. But yeah. uh, I just, yeah, I guess I'm satisfied. It'd be great to go further. But the, the fact that they dominated this series and were coming up so empty in, in the, at, at the end, it seemed, uh, I was screaming out of anger last night when they won. And, uh, yeah, I guess I'm satisfied. I'd love to see more. but Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. Angry? Don't be angry anymore, Paul. You won. He's right, though. They they did pretty much win six of these games. But you can't really say that about game one because they turned the puck over twice in the last ten minutes. And so they shot themselves in the foot with that one. Yes. Uh, game five with the bad officiating. I'll give them that one for sure. So, yeah, it, they over, did. They, they dominated the series. It's they over. Did. They came back. They won. They were down four times last night. <laughs> they came back and won that game. Let's take one more real quick here. Nick, you're on Mackie and Judd. What's going on, fellas? Hi, Nick. Hey, uh, just want to say quick that the last call that Paul, that was that was a good call. I like, I like his take on that one. Yeah, Paul's, um, uh, Paul's one of our best callers for sure. Judd, I know we just talked. We touched this on Twitter, but I just want to call in and see what you thought. Um Nino Niederreiter has, I mean, the kid has flat out stepped up and elevated his game since he's got more playing time with Cookout. Mm-hmm. And I re- like I said to you, I really hope that Yo doesn't feel the need to put Cook back in the lineup and take away those minutes from Nino because I think the kid has clearly shown with the way he busted his tail that whole, you know, the whole last four or five games of that series or whatever it was. Yep. That kid busted his tail, and I was glad to see him get a goal last night and have all of his hard work pay off. And I just hope he keeps playing. Thanks, Nick. I would think at this point there is uh, no way he doesn't. He's got to be on the top three lines, right? Matt Cook, 
I give Matt Cook credit. Matt Cook, when he was playing, played a very important role in the series. And when he wasn't playing, he played a very important role because he took the Avalanche's yeah. best offensive defenseman out. But there is no way now. When Matt Cook comes back, I would guess he's got to go fourth line probably. And I think there's you a can play- still use him on the penalty kills, yeah, though, right? right? I mean, you, it, just because he's got him. a lower role on a, in a five-on-five situation, you can use him more often in the penalty kill. And there's a place for Matt Cook to play, but Niederreiter is showing again. And to me, keep in mind, too, Game 6, I know he had no points in Game 6, but Game 6 is a very important game for him because look at how well he played. And the reason why you predicted that he would have a big game last night and score in OT is because of Game 6. It's because I'm clairvoyant. No, that too. But anyway, he got the con- he got his confidence uh, sky high. He showed you in Game 6 that if this guy gets a regular role, how well he can play in a pressure environment, that was instrumental. But yes, uh, it's a very good point by Nick that when Matt Cook comes back at this at this point. But here's the other thing to keep in mind with Mike. Yo, look at how much he juggles his lines, too. So you can't say, and that's the weird thing about this, Mike Yo likes to juggle his lines so much that I don't think you can definitively sit here and say, well, here's how the top three lines are going to work out mm-hmm. for the whole Chicago series. Because halfway through the first period tomorrow night, he might change things up. That being said, Nino Niederreiter, I'm pretty confident, is going to be a top nine forward for this entire series. We will talk to Lou Nanny in about an hour and a half from now. Dan Gladden, Twins did play last night. Uh, they had the wild score on the screen for most of the, the second part of that game, and nobody was in the outfield well, when they showed some shots on, when at least some of the guys in the press box were taking photos. That had to be a miserable night, too. That looked cold. Yeah, for damp, multiple reasons. And I'm sure the Dodgers were yeah. very happy to be in town as well. I'm and sure also, loved it. we do have some Viking stuff to talk to, but mostly uh, while moving on, big Game 7 victory. We'll throw these these topics out if you want to call the phone lines. Are you satisfied with the Wild, regardless of what happens against the Blackhawks? And where do you put this series uh, in terms of the historical playoff series in Minnesota sports history, aside from Game 7, 91, Game 7, uh, 89. And, in fact, when we come back, you're going to hear some great Game 7 moments in Minnesota sports history. Cool. It's the Hockey Whisperer and Judd on 1500 <laughs> ESPN. Ready for another chance to earn points and score some amazing prizes? Your 1500 ESPN rewards. Listen and win code is revealed now. Collect points, grab prizes, 1500 ESPN rewards, 1500ESPN.com. You'll get 100 points for entering the listen and win code today. You can use the points towards a chance to win a pair of tickets to see Paul McCartney's Out There Tour at Target Field August 2nd. Only 250 points to enter for the tickets. Today's code word for 930 is... Niederreiter. That's right. Niederreiter is the code word. Enter correctly and get rewarded for listening. It's 1500 ESPN Awards, 1500ESPN.com. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. We're a bunch of hipsters who ride bikes and tuck our jeans into our socks. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Okay, b- better series. We're not we're not going to put the Twins World Series in this conversation because those are at the top of the totem pole. Better moment, better series, whatever you want to call it, Judd. What we just saw last night, the brunette goal in mm-hmm. the series against the Avalanche from 11 years ago, or... So game seven, man. That's it. It's all the marbles. 
sitting in the house. I'm loading up the pump. I'm loading up the Uzi. I got a couple of M16s, a couple of nines. I got a couple of joints with some silencers on. I'm just loading up clips, a couple of grenades. Got a missile launcher with a couple, you know, missiles. I'm ready for war. Got a couple super soakers. You know, oh. got a Nerf gun. Got a Nerf gun. You know, go back, though, and look at um, Game 7 against Sacramento in 2004 and look at what he did in that game. 30-25 yes. or something so ridiculous. Let's, uh, let's actually... Here's what I'm going to do for you. You just asked me about three Game 7s. Let me uh, break them down into different categories. Game 7 against Sacramento Timberwolves 2004, your superstar put his team on his back, which you should do, and was fantastic. Game 7 2003, Wild Avalanche was a team in its third season. Nothing was expected. They didn't really play an exciting style of hockey, but they were a collection of guys, for the most part, who were grinders, hard workers. And so that was, that was I think, it, the best way to put it, pleasantly surprising. It captured our fancy because we said, where'd this come from? But last night, just as far as a series go and as resiliency goes and as a team goes, I think that was, to me, the most exciting. Because there's no you can't compare the 2003 Wild Avs series to this one. Because the expectations for the Wild against that Avalanche team were zero. Yeah. They're down 3-1. They come back and win it, and you said, oh, my gosh. But last night, this is a this is a pretty good Wild team. This is not a bad Wild team. This is, not an under, this is an underachieving team at times, but they're not a team where you look at their roster and say they have no chance. And, in fact, we've talked about this time and time again. You can make a very good argument they were the better team through this entire series. But the fact that you're down four times in that game, the fact that in the middle of the season you look like you might be falling apart or late in the season you look like you might miss the playoffs, just the cardiac nature of this Wild team is what makes it, I think, so interesting and at times compelling. What do you think Patrick Waugh feels about the Wild? I mean, his career ended at the hands of the Wild, and now his first uh, sort of foray into coaching mm-hmm. ends by blowing a 2-0 series lead, a 3-2 series lead. He must go to bed at night and just be haunted Freddy Krueger style by Andrew Burnett, Nito Niederreiter, Matt Cook. What if he What if he goes to bed at night, he puts the Walkman on, and in his earphones is the state of hockey plan? Or it's, what or, if that's the case? Or maybe more fittingly for Colorado, it's actually, it's this. Patrick Waugh just chilling back at home. Oh, you think he went home last night and legally broke out the, the doobie? Is that what you're saying? I was going to stop the puck. But then I got high. I was going to re-get revenge from 03, but then I got high. Now I'm out of the playoffs, and I know why. Because I got high. Because I got high. Because I got high. Here's what he had to say after the game. You always find a way to, um, to go through adversity in a great way, and... and, and and we got beat by a team that played really well, a team that uh, uh, was well coached, and a team that uh, deserved to win as much as we At the end, unfortunately, I mean, injuries were, was a factor. <laughs> I mean, losing a guy like Barry and losing a guy like Mitchell, I mean, would have probably made the difference for us. And having Dutchie coming late, I mean, uh, but these are... These are not the excuse we want to use. I mean, a team is a team, and, and we've played like this all year. I think the difference is in 2003, Patrick Waugh played his final ever 
National Hockey League game against the Wild and got uh, and got knocked out in Game Seven, and that ended his Hall of Fame career as a head coach. Ending his first year, you can actually learn from this one, right? You can actually go to your players because that's a young team. They're a good team. They're not. They they're, are. They're not going away. Very talented, they're, skilled young team. They're only going to get better. So I think if you're Patrick Waugh and you lost that game last night, you at least look at that and say, "All right, we can build off this, learn from this." And here's the thing. So. Patrick Waugh is a competitor. We all know that. He's a pretty good coach, it looks like. But he's got to look at these games and say the same thing that most people did. It's not as if the Avs outplayed the Wild, outplayed the Wild, were clearly better, and then some fluky things happened or some injuries happened, Barry gets hurt, and they lose. They really didn't. And so I think if you're Patrick Waugh, you can sit down with your team and say, boys, look at this. You did some good things here, but you also did some bad things. If you go back to games three and four of this series at the X. I don't know, other than Montreal eliminating Tampa Bay in four games, I don't know if you're going to find two games that were that dominant a performance by one team yeah. as the Wild. And the only reason that that first game was one nothing in OT and the second game was 2-1 to one was the goaltender for Colorado. And he gave up a ton more rebounds last night, too. They kind of figured him out the last couple games. They figured out if you shoot high and you put some bodies in front of the net— in fact, on the on the Koivu goal, it was did Koivu score the first or second goal of the first game. Molson kind of slid over, and and it wasn't like a full on screen of Varlamov, but it was sort of in the eye path, just off to the left a little bit, and he put his body in front. Uh-huh. So they found halfway through the series, they figured out if you put bodies in front of the net and you shoot high on this guy, you can score goals. Well, and you they ha- did. You have to get shots on him because he's going to give up rebounds. But yes, and and what, I'll go back to Game Six again. I give Parisi a ton of credit. Now, ideally, going into that series, you would know that that if you're going to have success against a good goaltender in any playoff series, you're going to screen him. Yeah. That's obvious. But Game 6, I give him credit because Yo told him, you've got to get in front of this guy, and the guy that did it was one of their star players. Parisi's Game 6 cannot be underestimated. He had four points. That's an elimination game. No matter what you think of what Parisi did last night or didn't do, if you go back to Game 6 when they were basically on the on the brink of being taken out of that playoff series— what Zach Parisi did gets four points, plays a role in three of the goals by screening the goaltender. It's absolutely yep. key. But do you know what the real, if, if Patrick Waugh could really do some reflecting, what the real problem was for the Avalanche? They took their grapefruits off the table. This is Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Join 1500 ESPN at the Wizard World Minneapolis Comic Con at the Minneapolis Convention Center this Sunday from 11 to 1. Come out to this family-friendly convention that celebrates comics, pop culture, celebrities, movies, TV, animation, gaming, original art, horror, wrestling, and more. Stop by the 1500 ESPN table at the show for your chance to score some prizes. All the info about it is on the events page, 1500ESPN.com. What are you looking for? Ah, uh, just Mark Mo- depressed Mark Moser. Hey, by Bruce Jelloff, rebound uh, the Wild. to two on, to one coming back the other way. Down the wing for Niederreiter. Holds, shoots, and scores! Nino Niederreiter and the Minnesota Wild have won game seven in overtime. Womp womp. Do you know how positive today is right now? We haven't even discussed what they're going to do in goal. Because at this point, they've made it this far with the same scenario. Yes. I mean, they've That's made what it. Yo said every Yo time said a new guy, night. but every time a new guy comes in, whether it's Kemper for the first time, yep. we think, well, <laughs> this is going to be bad. When Kemper first was put in as the temporary starter two months ago, we thought, well, this is going to be a disaster. 
and it wasn't. But think about the so, crisis management these guys have done in goal. Think about how many goaltenders this team has had to play. And I think Josh Harding has season. still played the most games in goal for this team. Hey, a guy Amazing. who knows something about Game 7s, Dan Gladden, Twins analyst, will join us next. We'll talk Twins and Game 7.